Hey y'all, this is Charlie. We are living, loving, laughing in grace, and we are going to jump right back into the word. Here we go. If you aren't allowing the Lord to work humility into your heart, if you're not having occasions from time to time, and God doesn't beat us up, okay? But when you're in the word with him, he will correct. And you know what? I'll tell you how I am most often corrected about my pride is when I see the humility of Jesus. When I see that he, the one that has the only reason and every reason to be prideful, to demand, to say, respect me, laid down his life, gave up everything for me, allowed himself to be humiliated. My friends, that is when I see, wow, okay, I'm being irritated at this person. And the problem is really, I feel like they didn't respect me enough. But what about my Jesus? My friends, we all did that to him. We've all disrespected him. We've all failed to show him the honor that is due to him and his work and his name. And that is how the Lord most often corrects my pride. And it is a journey, right? It is a long journey. It's a journey that never stops this side of heaven. But there is progress. As, as Paul says in Philippians, we have an upward calling in the Lord. Amen. And it's, it's common to all men. And when you can see that and let that go too, right? It's like, yeah, there were a few years where it's like, really, Lord, we got to talk about this again? Like, I thought you got this, all this pride out of me, right? And then as time goes, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course, there's still more pride to get out of me. Amen. And I'm so grateful for it and thankful for it. And the Lord wants to do that in your private time with him. He doesn't seek to make us look foolish or put us on a public spectacle. My friends, he made his son a public spectacle so that he does not do that to us today. Hallelujah. I told y'all, I just love Genesis chapter three because it, it resets so often, right? We get into wrong thinking about God because we're not, we're not so um, clear on how things went amiss, how they went awry, how God intended things to be. Amen. And so we are, yeah, we're just all over with bunny trails. So the devil tempted man. Uh, so the woman saw that the tree was good for food, which, yeah, it was just not good for them. Good for food. Okay. Everything that God makes is good. He can't make anything that's not good because he is good. Hallelujah. That it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit. See, my friends, this is where that extra phrase she added was dangerous because she said that God said we can't even touch of it. So what do you think happens when she grabbed it? She touched it and she didn't die. And she thought, oh, okay. It's not like God said, but God didn't say you can't touch of it. He said, don't eat of it. So she ate of it and she also gave to her husband with her. My friends, Adam was there. There is a Proverbs that says that evil prevails when good men say nothing. And good there means righteous. My friends, sometimes it's just in our lack of speaking, right? Adam's lack of speaking, of interrupting the snake in this conversation. He's just like sitting back watching this conversation go on between his wife and the snake who was being inhabited by the, by the devil, my friends, when he had every right, all the authority of the earth had been given to Adam. He had every right to step in and say, go away, Satan, be gone out of this garden. 
And he would have had to have listened. But he didn't. He sat there. He listened. He ate. And it says, then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, I want to tell you something really interesting here, my friends. Back in Genesis chapter 2, where we read that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. This word naked in the Hebrew is actually not the same word as the word naked that we just read. And you know what? You can even get that from the context without going into the Hebrew. Because in the first case, before sin came into the world, their nakedness, however it was, did not cause them to be ashamed. But what's the first thing they tried to do once they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? My friend, that means we're trying to judge for ourselves what is right and wrong, what is good and bad. That's what that means instead of just relying on the Lord. It didn't say it's the tree of evil. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the same thing as the law. So... Um, the first thing they try to do with this nakedness is what? They try to cover it up. They try to cover it up themselves. They sew fig leaves together, my friends, and make these ridiculous little coverings that barely cover anything. Because for the first time, shame has come in. And how do we know that? My friends, because in the Bible, there's a law of first mention. That anytime you see something mentioned for the first time, Right, that, that there is a truth there to be learned. And what did we see? We see God's version of nakedness goes with not ashamed. But nakedness and shame, or not ashamed, went together. So now we see nakedness and shame go together because they have fallen. And for the first time, they're trying to hide themselves from each other. They're trying to hide themselves from themselves. And ultimately, as we see, what drives that in us is that they're trying to hide themselves from God. My friend, that's what shame does. Listen to Webster's definition of shame. Webster's definition of shame is a painful sensation excited by a consciousness of guilt. Do you think that that's what Adam and Eve were feeling right here because I do. I think they, they suddenly saw what they had done. They felt guilty about it. It was painful. And so they tried to cover it up. It goes on to say, or an impropriety or having done something that injures reputation. Yep, they just did that too. Or of the exposure of that which nature, modesty prompts us to conceal. My friends, we can take this spiritually and physically. Now, listen, there is nothing wrong with modesty. We are, uh, as children of God, right? We have a, a, a purity and a modesty about us, my friends, that we will, right? Because things aren't like they were before. Please don't go running around naked and saying, Charlie says you don't have to be ashamed about it anymore. The world has fallen, okay? Modesty, God's modesty does tell us to cover ourselves. Amen. There are parts of your body now that should only be seen by the Lord and your spouse. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're too valuable, my friend, to go throwing your pearls before swine. Okay? You're too precious. You're too valuable to give yourself away to the world, letting people who don't care about you and don't value see parts of you that, that, that they don't value. You are too precious. Hallelujah. Amen. But this is talking about 
wanting to cover up out of a guilty sensation, out of a painful sensation. And that's exactly what we see Adam and Eve doing. And it says, and then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Okay, can't help it. Got to stop there. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. My friends, Adam and Eve and the Lord had such a relationship that they knew even the sound of him walking in the garden. I'm going to say this is something they were used to doing every evening, that the Lord would come in the cool of the day and they would relax and enjoy the day together, talk about what they had done and just enjoy each other's company. How these next words must have hurt his heart. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. My friends, this is where we say, see, I'm sorry, this is where we see what the result of shame is in our heart. It did not cause them to run to God. It did not cause them to to um, seek him out for the first time in man's history, man ran away from God because of shame. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked And I hid myself the first time we see fear in the Bible. The first time we see fear in all of mankind's history. And let me help you out, my friends, because as we were talking about before, that Genesis chapter 1 and 2 is all about our creation, the way the Lord created us and created our world. And it happens so fast that it's easy for us to think that Adam and Eve were only here a few days before things went bad. We we don't know that. They were actually uh, quite a while living on the earth. Okay. So don't think just because it goes one, two, three, but you know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us every day and every day was perfect. And they enjoyed each other's company and this day was perfect. And they enjoyed each other's company and this day was perfect. And they enjoyed each other's company. I mean, right. You would just be writing that every day for, you know, for years. Okay. So, uh, to say that, I say that to say that this is the first time we see fear This is the first time we see man run from God. This is the first time we see man try to cover himself, which, my friends, is a form of self-righteousness. When we try to cover up our own sins, when we try to atone for our sins in any shape or form or fashion, my friends, and, and the most common way is through religious ways that we try to atone for our own sins or cover them up instead of seeing that Jesus Christ has washed them away. And there is nothing we can do but receive it. Hallelujah. So this is the first time. And as we saw nakedness and shame go together. So we know that they ran away out of shame because they knew they were naked for the first time. They were afraid. I can't even imagine how much that must have broke the Lord's heart. And he said, like any loving parent would do, who told you that you were naked? My friends, this would be like if your child came home from school and said, Mommy, Daddy, am I stupid? What would be your first thought? Who told you that you're stupid? You know, your little girl comes home from school. Mommy, am I ugly? Daddy, am I ugly? I'd be my, 
Who told you that you're ugly? That's exactly what we see in God here. Who told you? Like, how dare? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? If shame were from God, my friends, would he have had to ask who told you? His very question shows us that shame is not from him. That fear is not from him. That he never desires for us to run away and hide. Amen. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, (laughs) he just blamed God. She gave me of the tree and I ate and she just blamed and he just blamed Eve. And then Eve says, and the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So not only do we see all these terrible things, nakedness uh, brings shame, brings fear, brings running away and hiding from the Lord, brings the first blame game. God, it's your fault. It's your fault. Right? You gave me this woman. So he's blaming God and Eve at the same time. And Eve is still saying, it's not my fault. It was the snake. This is like when they tried to cover themselves with the fig leaves. This, this pointing fingers, this blaming everyone else, my friends. This all came in with the fall. And this is something that shame brings in. So we see from the very beginning, my friend, that shame was not from the Lord. And this is a, this is so on my heart to share with you because I know that, you know, there are precious hearts out there, precious souls that you are battling with addictions. You are battling with sins, with a lifestyle of sin because you're accepting, you're receiving this shame because of this wrong thinking that shame somehow is from God. Like I said, I've actually heard a pastor preach that, that shame is from God, that it causes us to live holy lives. And and I'm not trying to um, speak disparagingly, but I, that was a church where I saw probably some of the the coldest hearts, the most hypocrisy, uh, starting from the leadership on down because they believed in that. And as we saw, shame makes you run away from God. And we see it all the way. I want to establish this right? That nakedness and shame go together so that you'll see the answer, right? So clearly that Jesus brings us at the cross, right? Okay. I can't help myself. I'm going to jump ahead because we know that at the cross, Jesus took our shame. And how did he take our shame? My friends, by becoming naked on our behalf, this is what we all deserved. And yet he became naked to take our shame so that we could wear his robe of righteousness and all the way through the Bible we see that nakedness and shame go together my friends there are many many examples but just to show you that it's here covered cover to cover I'm gonna take you to Revelation 1615 and this is what it says it says behold I am coming as a thief blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments lest he walk naked and they see his shame This is Jesus speaking and revelations and listen what he just said, right? Lest he walk naked and they see his shame. So we see that nakedness and shame go together after 
the fall. And so what did the Lord do to redeem us out of this? He gave us his robe of righteousness. He took our nakedness and he gave us his robe of righteousness. That's what he's referring to in the line above where it says, blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments. The garments he's talking about are the garments the Lord has given us at the cross, the robes of righteousness. And we're going to see that. Um, okay, you know what? We're going to see that right now. <laughs> so in Isaiah 61, verse 7, right? Because I don't want y'all ever taking my word for something. My friends, the Bible interprets itself. The Bible will always interpret itself. Amen. Yes, we can use outside resources to help us understand, but the Bible itself will always interpret itself. So listen to this in Isaiah 61 again, right away. I love this scripture. You're going to see that shame is not God's desire for your life. Isaiah 61 verse seven says, instead of your shame, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Ooh, somebody say double honor with me double honor. You shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. My friends, listen to the heart of your father for you. Listen to the heart of your God towards you. He doesn't want you to have shame. He wants you to have double honor. He's saying for that shame that you have, that you do deserve, my friends, that I deserve. Instead of that shame, he's going to give us double the honor for it. He wants you to have everlasting joy. He wants you to possess double your possessions, my friends. It's a speaking of spiritual gifts. And this is speaking of physical gifts. Amen. And listen, this is how, this is how he brings us about in our life. And we're going to skip down to verse 10. Isaiah 61 verse 10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. My friends, we rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God for he has clothed me. Say he has clothed me, not I have clothed myself. Remember, Adam and Eve tried to clothe themselves with fig leaves. And you know what? Those fig leaves couldn't redeem them, my friends. It couldn't, it couldn't save them. And, and actually, if we had read further on, I'm going to read it to you. Genesis 3:21. it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. This was the first time. We see blood in the Bible, my friends, and it was God himself shed the life of an innocent animal so that he could clothe Adam and Eve and he could take away their shame. He could give them forgiveness. Okay, we see that in Genesis and that's what it's saying here that God himself had to do it, my friends, because we can't. We're too fallen. We don't even understand how naked and shameful we should feel. Okay, and honestly, we don't because because we're fallen, we can't see how sinful we are. That's why we don't try to do it. Don't try to perform open heart surgery on yourself. You're going to slip up. Don't try to dress yourself. Don't try to make yourself righteous. Don't try to make yourself good. Come and let God be the one who clothes you because then you know it will be perfect. It says, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Listen, he called salvation a garment, a garment of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. 
My friends say he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. So going back to Revelation 16, 15, he says what? He says to make sure you keep your garments. Keep your garments. What are your garments? Your garments are the garments of salvation and the robe of righteousness. Now listen, my friends, this, this, he's not saying that you can lose these. You can't actually lose your righteousness. You can't lose your salvation once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because it's a gift. You can't lose a gift, amen, but you can lose your consciousness of it. You can lose your awareness of it and you can start living as if you are naked. You can start living as if you are not covered. And that's what the enemy tries to do, my friends. He will come against you and make you feel shameful, make you feel dirty because you know what? When you feel dirty, you'll live dirty, okay? When you feel like you're naked, You'll go ahead and live like it, my friends. If you think you're covered in mud, it's not going to bother you to get covered in some more mud. But when we see the truth and we go, wait a minute. Yeah. No, this, my friends, this is how we receive that double honor. It's not that we don't sin. We're going to sin. We don't want to sin, but we will on this side of heaven. But how do we respond? Do we then wallow around in it? Wallow around in the shame, beat ourselves up? Right. Keep looking at that sin. Keep judging ourselves and condemning ourselves. My friend, that is actually throwing shame on the cross of Christ because it's saying that his cross wasn't good enough or powerful enough to cleanse you of that sin. Or do we do what he's telling us to do? Do we stand up and go, wait a minute, I am clothed with the garment of salvation I am clothed with the robe of righteousness. Jesus, yes, I am sorry that I did that. But thank you that because of your blood, I am forgiven. I am still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am holy. I am set apart. I have been clean. I am wearing a wedding dress. Ladies, he refers to us as wearing our wedding dress. And, and, and men, he refers to you as wearing you see like your suit. I want you to see yourself in your best Sunday clothes, right? That's what he's saying. See yourself in the most beautiful gown, ladies, that you could ever imagine wearing. And now that you're wearing that, would you want to go and roll in the mud? Of course not. See, when we see how clean the Lord has made us, we'll want to stay clean, okay? Gentlemen, if you're wearing your best suit or your, your best, you know what? I just love it. It's my taste. When, when my hubby puts on his, his, his good pair of jeans and he puts on an, a nice flannel shirt, <laughs> right? And uh, he just looks so handsome. Amen. And when he's dressed like that, well, okay, I'm not talking about his work flannel and jeans, but his dress up flannel and jeans. Is he going to go get dirty? No, he'll come in and change first before he puts on, you know, before he goes out to, to do something that's going to get him dirty. My friends, it's the same thing. And God knows our thinking. So he's saying, see yourself dressed in that robe of righteousness. See yourself clothed in the garments of salvation. Look and see yourself how clean I have made you, how beautiful I have made you. And then you will want to walk and live a clean and holy and beautiful life. Hallelujah, my friends. When you see the glory that Jesus has bestowed on you, you will want to bring glory to him. 
You don't have to try to bring glory to him. You're just so busy looking at his glory that you start shining out his glory as it tells us in 2 Corinthians 3.18 that as we behold his glory, we are transformed into his glory. How? By his spirit, not by ourselves. Hallelujah, my friend. This is the new covenant. The old covenant is, yes, you're dirty, so you've got to clean yourself up. Yes, you're naked, so you've got to find a way to clothe yourself. But you can't. We always fall short. So we give the thanks and the praise to God that he has given us his glory again, my friends. That is something he did for us when he redeemed us at the cross. He bought us out of this shame. And he gave us his double glory. He gave us his double honor. You know why it's double, my friends? Because before we were a creation. Now you are a child of God. You are a beloved child of God. Something that we didn't have before the fall. Only God in his wisdom and grace and mercy and love and faithfulness could come up with a salvation plan where man has something greater, becomes something greater than he was before the fall. Think of that, my friends. When you restore something that's been broken, is it become something even better than it was in the beginning, right? <laughs> my husband, he is great with super glue and wood glue and regular glue and any kind of glue there is because I'm great at breaking things. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I am. I'm really great at breaking things and he's great at gluing them back together. But you know what? They, even though he gets them back together and gets them functioning, or if it's a decorative piece, gets it to where it looks good again, it's not better than it was beforehand, right? Only God, only God. We gave up our glory and he gave us double glory. We gave up our honor. He gives us double honor. We gave up our right to be the authority of, of the, the creation, right? We were the creation that was given all authority over all other creation. And God said, you know what? I'm going to make you my children instead. Wow. Wow. What a good God we have, my friends. What an awesome God that we have. And we are going to have to get more into this in the next podcast. Yep, this is going to be quite uh, a lengthy series. Um, I'm thinking three, at least four. But anyways, my friends, we will do that um, coming up in the next podcast. We are going to see an example of this from the Gospels and how it changed a woman's life when she allowed the Lord to step into her life, take away her shame and replace it with only the glory and the honor that he can give to us. Hallelujah. So come back, my friends, so that you can hear from that. Be encouraged. Amen. And I encourage you to, to just look and, and receive and expect. See yourself dressed in those robes of righteousness, in the garments of salvation. See yourself in your Sunday best, my friends, because that's how God sees you. Hallelujah. Amen, my friends. Amen. All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and grant you his peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Till next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.